Schmidt. Hi, it's Pam. such a pleasure. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited. Well, I did your podcast. You did. You were on so, Two Bottles Deep. Two and we Bottles loved it. Deep. I'm telling you. And I was like, well, turn it out is fair play. Yes. So how... Applaudable it, Perspectives. Thank you so much. Welcome <clears throat> to Applaudable Perspectives. And uh, Wes and I got to know each other through Mark Lobston, who, bless his heart, the long-suffering log, Mark Lobston has been <laughs> with me for 14 yeah. years. And um, Wes is a good friend of his, and I'm so proud of you because not only are you an amazing person in the community, Aww. and we'll talk a little bit about your charity work, but you and Philip have started a podcast. And tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll talk a little bit. We'll kind of we'll, we'll launch into the podcast a little bit, and then we'll okay. also we'll backtrack and talk a little bit about your background. But okay, it's so exciting because you just got an award. Yeah, we just won second place in the Nashville scene. It's where listeners vote for the best podcast. So, so tell people again the name of the podcast. So it's called Two Bottles Deep, which means what? We don't really know. <laughs> it doesn't our, mean it does not alcohol. My friend, no, we. I mean, we started off. So Philip is gay, and I'm gay, mm -hmm. and we have we met probably five years ago, and we always had great conversations when we were sitting around a bonfire or at a bar or restaurant. And my friend Stacia one day said, "You guys need a podcast and call it Two Bottles Deep," and because we just have great conversations, sure. and we wanted to change the world. We didn't really know where we were starting at because sure, sure. I did not listen to podcasts. No. I, I wasn't in the podcast world. Now, this was April. Well, this is January of 2021. Mm -hmm. So it's just January this year. And then we so launched, not even we launched in April. Yeah, we launched six months ago. So downloads are great. Um, yeah, so, so anyway, we started recording, no pun intended, in my closet. <laughs> because my living room it's you concrete. finally came out finally. and you went back in <laughs> yeah so going yeah as if it wasn't hard enough the first time right? you go back in the closet but yeah so my living room has like a concrete floor mm -hmm. and it was too echoey. echoey we were trying at the table and then we got a little soundboard for the table and then i'm like let's just set up the soundboard all this we got the foam pads for the closet exactly so yeah we went in the closet now we have a studio in mm -hmm. east nashville and yeah it's been a lot of fun so we basically want to bridge the gap between the gay and the straight community. Now the LGBT, there's you know, there's trans, there's bi issues, gay and, and sure. lesbian. Yeah. But you know, we basically our tagline is let's bridge the gap by having good conversation conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's almost just like a window of an opportunity to just talk to people. We we have Republicans on, we have drag queens on. Mm -hmm. Our first trans episode dropped mm -hmm. this week. Mm -hmm. It's a two-parter with a mother of a trans child mm -hmm. who's trans socially transitioning before kindergarten. Unbelievable. Uh, it's you know, and it's open to my mind. I people call me and they say, Hey, I have a trans friend, what do I do? And I'm like, Well, I'm the G. <laughs> I'm the gay. I'm not the L, the B, or the T. Right. So I want to know and I want to use pronouns mm -hmm. um, correctly. Definitely. I don't want to offend people. <laughs> and um, I, you know, it's not my life. So who am I to judge? Exactly. And people judge me. So I don't want to in turn judge other people for who they were born right, to be. Right, right, of course. So that's what we do on it. And by talking and having honest conversations, not talking at one another, but talking with one another, that's right. how we learn. That's how we break uh, down stereotypes. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I have a... a, a African-American, I'm sort of the token white in an African-American um, book club. And we have these like conversations that yeah. you've always wanted to talk to a person and ask them a question about, but you didn't want to say the wrong thing. And right. 
And yeah. so I always preface it with, uh, I hope this doesn't sound racist, but... And, and, and really, how do they receive it? Totally cool. Because yeah. we've built trust. Yeah. Totally cool. And you're wanting to learn. You're not... But I also acknowledge white privilege. Mm-hmm. Just by being born white, I get it. I am, you 100%. know. It, it, so I think once you start with that, so let's let's mm-hmm. backtrack a little bit. So you've lived all over the place. You are from Central Illinois, small town, small yeah. town. And was it? Would you say it's a was a farming community? Yeah, Pena mm-hmm. is a town of just under six thousand people. Um, Big Catholic, you know, cathedral. I mean, we're a small town and our Catholic church is humongous. Really? And, and it's all farming. It's all farming. We're in the middle of Illinois. So we're close to the state capital. So you have a lot of state workers. You have mostly farmers, a lot of factories. Caterpillar. Were you, uh, were you raised Catholic? Yeah. Mom was Lutheran. Dad was Catholic. But we really weren't practicing. I we see. went for weddings and funerals, but we didn't go every Sunday. But my parents did raise me to learn the value of a dollar and they raised me to be kind to people. Yeah. So we believed, we prayed at night, mm-hmm. we all had dinner at 5.30 when dad got home from work. Mm-hmm. I had the traditional Structure. upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. My brother and I we lived in the country and it was a subdivision, so we had neighbor kids our age. We rode four-wheelers, we built four uh, forts out in the woods, mm-hmm. jumped on the trampolines, stole the neighbor's cigarettes, <clears throat> you know, it's smoke, you know, Colin's dead cigarette. You know, we did all the boy stuff, you know, we just... When did you start thinking, huh, I might be a little bit different than the other boys around or the other Four, girls? Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Yeah, what I knew. Ch- what changed? I, I had a crush on a boy. And at sure. that point, you don't know if it's just, oh, he's good at sports and I want to be like him. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, no, gay or straight, you don't, I mean, you have these feelings, but you don't know what sex is. You don't know what marriages are about you don't know what relationships are about you're you know you're in fourth grade yeah which is what nine or ten years old i think so yeah so i just i had a crush on this one guy and i just knew but then all the way through college i just denied it and dated women and tried to be straight Did you, i was going to ask that. you you dated women yeah yeah because yeah, you like women you get yeah. along with women oh, you have absolutely. a lot of female friends and now looking back, it was like, oh, we get it. But back then, I mean, it worked. We dated. We had a courtship. We, uh-huh. you know, I, I'd never dated a girl for like three years. But right. each, but were you having sex with these girls? Yes. Yeah. It, like, and it, it was cool. It was And fun. I wanted the house, you the dog, the white the picket fence, 2.5 really? kids. Yep, you wanted all that. that. I'll be darned. In college. And then, because I just knew in the area I was raised, and this was in the... I was in college from 2001 to 2005. Uh-huh. So in high school, junior high and high school in the eight, late 80s, early 90s, or no, late 90s, it just wasn't acceptable. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I have to do this. Right. So did you think you were just going to have like an, a secret life? Yeah. Absolutely. So you would just sort of have a beard, if yeah. you will, and in, then have be able to maybe have an understanding wife or you'd have to do it secretly. Yeah. Oh, Because yeah. your whole life's a secret up until that point. Yeah. So I had a great fraternity um, um, experience. Uh, experience in college through Sigma Chi. They were, you know, oh, I used to party with Sigma Chi really? now. Oh my yeah. god! I'll tell you, Sigma Chi. Now, after I left college, it took me another four years to come out, jumping ahead. But they they promote everything at Sigma, Sigma mm-hmm. Chi Corporate. So I feel that leads the chapters to be more inclusive, and diverse. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, you know. At, right after I graduated, I still wasn't out, and they put through an openly gay guy and an openly bi guy, through my chapter at Western Illinois University. Wow. Macomb, Illinois is 9,000 people. Now, 
Western Illinois University was 10,000. 10, so we sure. doubled the town. They were mostly all from Chicago. So it was like very progressive student population in a conservative town. But that just opened my eyes and I came out a few years later. But yeah, I just, I didn't want to risk all that back then. So I never came out. I never, and you, you know, studied hospitality, hospitality. Mm-hmm. but I will say on, on the, the splitting, cause there's a term for us and it's called splitting. And there's a book called the velvet rage growing up gay in a straight man's world. So you have to split. So who people thought I was, my, you know, a lot of gay people are funny and stylish and we put on a front before we're out because once people come out, guess what? They may not like us. So we have to be the funny person. We have to be the helpful person. We have to be the caring person. And that's who we are in our, really good who taste. I am within my heart. But I split my life. My parents, no one knew that second part of my life. I thought that was going to continue my entire life. So I well, let know. me ask you a question, Wes. Did you feel any shame about who you were? Mm-hmm. Shame and guilt, because both my grandfathers passed away the same year, unfortunately. So and that was '93. Did you think you're gonna burn so it down? So I was like, "Well, but they think." Did you think it was this? a sin? Like you were gonna oh, burn yeah, it down and all that? Yeah, and even not growing up in the church, I can only imagine people that grow up in a church why they suppress their feelings. I didn't grow up that strict, and I still <laughs> suppress my feelings. So, yeah, game, shill, uh, uh, game, oh, God, shame, guilt, uh, you, you have it all. Like, you, you think you're, you know, the black sheep of the family, you're the only one, and that, that's, that's a lot of years of, of feeling that you're the only one, or you're the one that's going to ruin your family dynamic. My brother married his wife, they couldn't have kids, so now it was left up to me. So now, and then I came out. So now my parents will not have grandkids, and that played a big part. Uh, they have adopted three kids now, and they have a beautiful family, and my parents are so in love with the grandkids. But once I found out my sister-in-law couldn't have kids, I'm like, well, now I can't come out as gay. I have to have kids for, for my parents. And my parents have been – it took them a couple of years to come around. We still talked every day. They not So did. 28 years you were in the closet. Yes. And then you finally said, enough already. And you called your parents. 2009, I called them. I was living in Austin. And they said, that's your life there. Don't ever bring that home. We love you. Is that what they said? Yeah. Interesting. Because they... They weren't trying to pray you straight or anything. No, they did ask me to try to change. And I said... And I was in a mind point. I still wanted to please them. So on the phone, um, my mom and dad were crying. I had only heard them cry at funerals. Oh, gosh. And they're like, what are your brother's friends going to think? What's our hometown going to think? And thinking back on it, I was like, okay, valid, because that's what kept me in the closet. So a lot of people have said, how dare your parents say that? It's about you. But what's funny is that's what keeps gay men in the closet is what, you know, what is Pam going to think? Well, Pam Lewis still like me. Uh, well, Mark still like me. Well, all these people still like me. Right. So it's okay. Other people's opinion. Yeah, it's okay for your parents to ask that because it took me twenty eight years, twenty nine years to come to the, to the to the realization this is who I was born to be. I I didn't want it to take my parents that long. So we didn't have that much time, um, but I knew it was going to take them a couple years. So I think if you're in that and trying to come out or trying to transition, whatever you are, give people some time. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't give your parents an ultimatum to say, okay, well in one month you have to accept me. And realize that they have their own, um, enculturization mm -hmm. and the difference in age where they grew up. I think if I I had a child who decided they were gay, who came out, I don't think it's a decision personally, but, uh, or for most people, I don't think it's a decision. I think I would feel like, um, a little sad because 
it's a more difficult way to live. And yeah. to not want to see someone that I love hurt, discriminated against, unaccepted. That would be the mm-hmm. only thing that I would think about it. Um, and that's that's where parents come from because yeah. they've, you know... Not so there, much what other people the, would think. It's more of like... The safety. Well, yeah, and there was oh, the AIDS pandemic. So my course, dad had yeah. lost a cousin to AIDS. You know, he lived way up in Chicago. and Was us, he gay? Yeah. And us being downstate, downstate Illinois is very conservative. Conservative, yeah. Chicago's very blue. So it was that. They see, you know, pride parades on TV. So like, oh, there, there goes Wes. He's going to go right in that direction. Right, right. Uh, but from the time, I'm assuming, I, I don't have kids, but from the time you hold that child mm-hmm. in the hospital, you have those dreams and you think yeah. about the sports, the athleticism, the, the schools, the school plays, the graduations, the marriages, marriages. the kid, the grandkids... And then all that's taken away. It changes. So it takes, it, I mean, Well, and then there are, there are people who, who have gay partners, get married, adopt kids, or have surrogates. I mean, right. I, I know a gay couple, and um, they have a, well, I know ma- male gay couple and female gay couple, and they both have children. Yeah, so it's it, possible it can, now. It's totally possible. Yeah, absolutely. It was so, always possible, <clears throat> just socially, it was like, you can't do this, you can't do this. And I always say, I didn't choose to be gay, but after 28 years, I finally chose to be happy. And, and it just, it took that 28 or 29 years. I either came out in 08 or 09, somewhere in there. But, um, did you yeah. read a lot of self-help books or go to therapy or something? How did you get to that place where you just, you just are finally self-accepting or yeah. you're not finally, it's um, been a while. Yeah. It was, it was like being in high school or college all over again, because mm-hmm. you want to experiment, you want to go out and party because this is a new life, whether you come out at 54 Fourteen, like sure. this is a, all what I was experimenting in my late twenties, early thirties, is what my friends did junior high, high school, and college. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they were type of girls. They did this, and now I was experimenting. I was going on dates, and I remember when I would break up with girls in college. I'd be like, "All right, see ya." But when I broke up with a boy in, in Austin, my heart was ripped out. Yeah, and and that's when I'm like, okay, that this solidifies it. This yeah. is not sure, a face. Sure, it's sure. a totally different feeling, feeling yeah. that I cannot explain. Um, but yeah, so. That's kind of that. Okay. So, um, lived in Chicago, lived in Austin, moved to Nashville for a job. 2014. You had had friends here. You know, I was talking about that, that phase of my life, which in, um, in the Velvet Rage, it's stage two. So stage one, you're like in the closet, hiding from everyone. And then stage two is you're out, you're about, and, and that looks different for everyone. Some mm-hmm. people hook up a lot. They're in the party. They're in the drugs. It's kind of like 1970s, Studio 54 all over again. Yeah, sure. But, you know, for me, I didn't, I didn't do the drug part, but I went out a lot. I lived downtown Austin. I was mm-hmm. by 6th Street and 7th Street and 4th Street was our gay district. And that was where I'm like, oh, my God, there are people like me. Mm-hmm. So I had went through two bad breakups in Austin because I'm a lover. I'm a fixer. Mm-hmm. And, and it just... The gay lifestyle to me, my first ex said, you're my first boyfriend. You knew this wouldn't last after one year. So I said, so to me, it was like a trial run. And I'm like, well, I'm more than a trial run. I was on the AGLCC, the Austin Gay Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. Wow. I did real estate. I did property management. And I said, no one's going to put me as a, as, a little, yeah. as a little test drive. So I won't say what I That's told That's pretty rude. It was pretty rude. And, and, pretty, and, my, and pretty cruel, really. And now looking back, and then my second ex wasn't out, and... He, oh, he, he wasn't, wasn't out. He, no, he wasn't out. So after two relationships in Austin, I'd been there six years. I honestly, I missed my family. I missed seasons. Yeah. Austin is a beautiful place with beautiful people. 
other than two. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I moved here because I love seasons. I love Tennessee. My friend Sherry Forrest, I had known her since 2005. She lived here. And I had one fraternity brother from college, ironically, that had moved here. Interesting. He's back up in up near Chicago now. But uh, he and his wife were here and I visited and I loved it. Yeah. And I love country music. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I moved here July 2nd of 2014. I said I came for the fireworks and never left. And just in time for this building boom, and, and the pe- building. they needed property management people, property. which is right up your yeah. alley. Yeah, and then it was like it's Austin 2.0. Yeah. So we're building um, a lot of units here. There's, I mean, thousands. There's 19,000 apartment units going up right now. That's about 60 communities. Yeah. Right now, between the Breaks whole <laughs> Nashville area, mm-hmm. but they need. And how do you stop it? You need it to. I mean, all the IT people that are mm-hmm. moving here from California. Oracle's bringing 8,500 jobs. Mm-hmm. Alliance Bernstein already brought 2,200 jobs. So some of those people are going to rent. Some of those people are going to buy. It has totally messed with our housing oh, prices so and prices. So escalated. Oh, my gosh. I mean, some of these people could sell their home for triple of what they bought it, but where are they going to go? Okay, you know? so we're sort of still in the COVID craziness, mm-hmm. but we're in the throes of it. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things you were dealing with, with being a property manager. Yeah. Oh my God, you're in a, they're in a high rise and people have to get in an elevator together. And how did you deal with all that? Of course, there's no handbook yeah. on how to handle this, really. You had to right. learn as you grow and keep listening to what the CDC guidelines mm-hmm. were, et cetera. It changed every day. It changed because our corporate didn't know what to do. They, you know, they say, do we shut our gym down? Mm-hmm. Do we shut the fitness center down and that's an amenity you know, that people are paying for yes. so then you get into that well and two you know our leases are wrote you pay you know base rent plus parking plus your pet fees all that and no leases are an amenity fee like a condo building so condo that you own you pay an HOA right. which covers all that all that so they had free reign to kind of make their own decisions well, my high rise that I managed was right next to a condo building oh. and a very high, I mean, it's where Taylor Swift, Kenny Chesney, everybody has a place there. And so our, the back of our building kind of faced their pool area. So we were getting the calls of why is their pool open and not ours? And I had to explain, well, you're renting here. You don't pay an amenity fee. Right. So if you, if in your lease, there was an amenity fee of 200 bucks a month, then we would give that back to you. But we pay for the pool. We pay for the gym. We pay for the upkeep. So we did open our gym like a month after, um, and we kept it open 24 hours so people could space out. Right. But it come down to personal responsibility. If you, and every, here's the thing. When I, so that high rise, I had about 500 residents that lived in one building. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own opinion. And we had world-renowned doctors that lived, that worked at Vanderbilt there. So sure. they had their opinion. So of they course. told me what to do because they saw so-and-so on the, on the uh, elevator without a mask and He's a world-renowned doctor, and he got into it with another guy. So you're managing a lot of people's expectations, which you can't do inside or outside of COVID, because everybody wants that building run the way they want it run. Of course. So it, it was really tough. Yeah, and it was <laughs> their opinion. Can you, can you tell about the one tenant that you told me about that's hysterical? Oh, so she lived on <laughs> this side of that. We had two phases of that building. One was 17 stories. The other one was 13 stories. Okay. She was a Vanderbilt grad student. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what she was studying, but it, it's a great school, right? She lived on the 11th floor. Now, high-rises don't have screens. 
your window's open like four inches so that no cat can get out, no dog can get out, you no human jump. can jump out, yeah. right? No baby so, can bounce and, out. Yeah, and we don't put screens on them because the window washers come two, three times a year and you can't take 400 screens off windows. No. So anyway, it would be more than that. But actually. you can get fresh air. Which you can is get fresh air, you can get cross breeze. So she called down, I answered the phone, and she <laughs> asked for a screen. I said, well, we don't put screens on our windows. You cannot fasten the screen to these windows. She's like, well, I want to keep the COVID out. <laughs> on the 11th floor... It is the craziest thing. We had another guy. And she thinks that a screen is going a screen. to be... I mean, come on. On the 11th floor. And I mean, she student, could maybe but... tape a bunch of masks across right? it. Right, yeah. I mean, just really. Improvise. Yeah. We had a... We had a, a he was an undergrad. Did you laugh? You can't laugh. I, well, I, I put the phone on mute and laughed. And then <laughs> she asked if I was still there and I came back. And so, <laughs> then I had to explain it. I, the stories you get, we had... We had a, um, he was uh, a student at Vanderbilt as well, and he called in one day and he said, hey, my bathroom mirror broke. And we're like, oh God, did, you know, and not dogging on Vanderbilt, but we we're across the street from Vanderbilt. That's where these kids went. And just mar- so miraculously built. Yeah, uh, broke, right yeah. And so the maintenance guys went in and I'm like, oh, he probably had a party. Someone broke his mirror. Let's of go course, replace yeah. it, charge him, you know, they'll pay. And then the, the maintenance guys get in there and they're like, your mirror's up here. It's not broke. He's like, oh, no, but every time I shower, the whole thing fogs up. <laughs> no joke. If I'm making it up, I'm... Uh, it's, and I'm like, oh, my God. Well, the guys were talking to him. His bathroom where he grew up, the mirror and vanity were like totally... I don't know how big that bathroom was, but he's like, I've never seen this because the home he grew up in, so the huge. mirror and stuff was so big or around the corner of the bathroom, it never fought. He had no clue. I'm not joking. The stories we get, it's a fun, it's, it's hard because, you know, you're a landlord. People are going to really kind of rape you over the coals because they're paying you and they expect everything to be perfect. But when you buy a house, it's not perfect. No. no. When you rent a car, it's not perfect. I mean, you know, so we, we, we take a beating and we have during COVID because everybody was stuck at home. Yes. And And then you fix it. Yeah. Oh, our office doors were shut. So then instead of coming in once a day and, hey, this is broke, or hey, I want this done, they email us 20 times a day. So yeah. our workload tripled. Yeah. And we all worked. You know, our office doors were shut, self-guided tours, but we had to really adapt, and it was a tough How did you not get burned year. out? Like, how did you sort of self-care? Well, it's funny. A lot of massages. <laughs> a lot of massages. Yeah. Um, I go a few times a month. Um, to get massages and that helped it's expensive but yeah. it keeps you sane but you asked about therapy earlier yeah so I started therapy this year 2021 oh, I did not start therapy in 08 09 or any of that decade that I was coming out and it's a brave, yeah, I just, it's, it's, a brave it's a brave thing to do I've done it yeah. um, when I've gone through certain life passages and it's it's very helpful it, it helps you Bridge some gaps yeah. that you're trying to get through and um, maybe help you get over a rough patch of depression mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It's, I think it's um, it's not it's certainly not a sign of weakness. Uh, well, and I always thought on um, we did a, a, a pot, uh, an episode on our podcast about vulnerability. And mm-hmm. I always thought that was a bad word because the way I grew up is, and my parents again are amazing people. I love my mom and dad so much. We talk every day. Or That's text every day. That's Same with Mammer, my grandma. We text every day. Aww. And I value that time. But and it's not so much my parents told me this, but it's just the group think of growing up in a small town. 
You don't show weakness, you don't cry, and you don't talk to people about your problems. No. You can help people with their problems, right. but you're not the weak one. And I, exactly. I'm i still fighting that. And I think I'll always fight that. That's a Midwest thing. My mom is that way. She's like, she's like, what is up with the South? I'm like, what are you talking about? Because you, you know my mom. Yes. She lives here now. She's 86. She said, Pam, I go to Kroger's, and I'm standing there waiting to check out. And some guy that I've never seen before starts talking about his gallbladder operation. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. I'm like, welcome to the yeah. south. That's <laughs> they will tell you everything. They will tell you everything. Yeah. And and uh, <laughs> she just is. She's very reserved compared to that. She's just sort of like, why does everybody do that? I don't get it. You know, it's cultural. It's cultural. It is. So um, we talked earlier. I think we're at a very <laughs> pivotal time right now we've gone through blm it's still happening we've gone through statues been taken down uh, mm-hmm. places being renamed uh, the whole quote-unquote cancel cap culture um me too i mean it's just been a yeah. litany of things and uh today in the headlines and of course over the last month or so we have comedian dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. and you and i were talking a little bit about that and um Probably some people have read about this, but for those who don't know, Dave Chappelle is an African-American comedian, and uh, he is sort of known for being, um, he sort of skewers everyone, you know, as part of his comedic Mm -hmm. acidity, if you will, and he's not the first to do that, but he's gotten in a little bit of trouble recently, a little bit of hot water, um, because of, well, let's, let's back up. He did yeah. something in 2019, he did a, a Netflix special called Sticks and Stones. And starring in that with him was Daphne Dorman, who was a trans woman who defended and befriended Chappelle. But she ended up committing suicide. Uh-huh. And the question is, her involvement with this particular show and with Chappelle, did that contribute to her vulnerability? Did, did she just finally say, I've had enough? And then sort of fast forward, mm-hmm. now Chappelle has The Closer, which has gotten lots of heat. And he is, you know, he, he calls LGBTQ community, the alphabet people. He uh, has been talking, he's sort of the anti, anti-canceled culture is sort of his... MO. Uh, Ted Sarandos, who's the CEO of Netflix, has defended him. And then there's TERF, T-E-R-F, which is mm-hmm. radical feminist, uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminist is really what that stands for. So what they're saying essentially is trans people are not really female. Trans Right, if you're male to female, you're not, you're not female. It's not real. So they're not validating. So, what a kettle of fish we're in. Wow. And I'm just curious, sort of, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, oh, and then let, let's also just, another celebrity, J.K. Rowling, also identifies as being sympathetic to Turf. And she's actually gone so far as to say that possibly some of the trans women are actually male sexual predators in disguise. So... This is, I've just been reading about all yeah. this, and it, it certainly makes you think. And I guess what I was at, I always look at what is the intent. And, and uh, yeah. I mean, we talked a little earlier before we started the podcast, and, and I grew up 
my, we never missed Norman Lear or anything Norman Lear did. And I used to have... I used to have lunch with Norman Lear when I would go to L.A. at the Ivy. That was one of his favorite mm. restaurants. And he was all about poking his eye in the stereotypes. And, of course, you know, Sanford and Son and Maud and, mm -hmm. of course, you know, the quintessential bigot of all, Archie Bunker and All in the Family. And the intention was to change views, to get us to laugh at, at these characters, but also to look at ourselves and to maybe grow a little bit. And I guess... It, my question is, what's Chappelle's, what was, what's his M.O.? Why is he doing this? Is he doing more harm than good? Is it hurting people? This woman supposedly, Daphne was a friend of his. Yeah. So then the other side of it is, people are saying that he is being bullied by trans. He's having, he's suffering trans bullying. So what are your thoughts? It depends. I mean, there's a lot of layers to peel back and it depends on the angle. Yeah. So depending on what news network you turn on tonight or tomorrow mm. or next week. And they're going to be, I don't want to say pushing their agenda, but they're going to be presenting it in that way. Sure. So, um, you know, he did mention that in there, because I was reading a little bit of those headlines when you brought that up. He said, gender is a fact. So mm -hmm. this is his kind of thing. We just dropped a podcast today on trans children. And mm -hmm. we interviewed a mother from L.A. And you know, they had a hard time accepting it. But what she taught us is... No, sex is a fact. So when you're having a gender reveal party, like everybody's doing, and they're putting, popping balloons to see sure. what they're having, that's actually a sex reveal party. Because your gender is, is a socially constructed norm. Your sex is what you're born with. I was born male, right? My gender is very fluid. So if I want to identify as a female and wear dresses and not have surgery, I can still be male to female transgender. So, so what but, you're saying is gender is a choice? It can be, yeah. Yeah, if you choose, if you, you know, and I don't want to say it's a choice because people say I had a choice of being straight. I, I did not. No. I mean, I could have faked my life for some guy or girl who doesn't believe in it. And I, even though I don't know them, I was living my life for people I didn't even know. Sure. So heck with that, you know. So with transgender, you know, in the case of, of our episode um, with, with Megan and her daughter, Grayson, who is now Hayden. Um, and how old you know, is Hayden now? Hayden is seven or eight. Wow. Yeah. But she socially transitioned before kindergarten. Like, they did everything. They put her in t-ball. They did. And they were there for their daughter. You, it comes down to you have to love people. So um, that that's an amazing story. We're actually doing a part two next week because we'll probably have to do more. We're already getting male people agree with it and don't agree with sure. it right mm -hmm. but with Dave Chappelle I mean he could be doing it for PR he could be you know it's kind of like Anthony Jeselnik mm -hmm. he is an amazing comedian but it is dark humor now he he may make fun of like you know the LGBT he does he has a lot of abortion jokes and so people who who can't have kids or people who are very anti-abortion may not like him so it's kind of like, and I love Anthony Jeselnik. I think it's brilliant. I think it's funny. Some of his jokes are dark. But with me and Dave Chappelle, which I'll have to dig into this, I want to come from a, from a place of compassion. Exactly. And what you and said it before, intention? what's the intent? Yeah. You know, each year, instead of having a uh, New Year's resolution, I pick a word. This year is intent. I want to, you know, what's my intent on volunteering? What's my intent for doing whatever I do? Rather than focusing on, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds. What's my intent Rather to go to the gym? Up. Right. 
So intent is a big word. And, you know, we saw that with, um, you know, Morgan Wallen. I mean, he didn't intend to hurt, you know, or say racist things, but that's how he grew up. That's how he talks, you know, not defending him at all and not defending Dave Chappelle. And he was drunk and his and, guard was down. Right. And this is the, who he is. And we've all, I mean, when you have a few beers, yeah. a few shots, I mean, people are, I mean, a drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts. So he meant it. There's no going back. Sure. Um, but with Dave Chappelle, I'm assuming he was sober on this special, but... Um, I definitely want to dig into this more because a gender is not a fact; <laughs> it's very fluid. Sex is a fact, mm-hmm. but that—that's your sex that you're born with. Who am I to say, or who is he to say, or who is J.K. Rowling to say that Grayson shouldn't be hated? It's her life. Mm-hmm. Mind your own business. These people are not going through years of therapy, hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical procedures to go to a bathroom to rape someone. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever freaking heard. And I'm trying not to cuss, trying to be a good boy. What's my intent? But that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And these people that are saying this, uh, again, I try to fight. It's a very difficult choice to make. Who would choose that? Why would you choose that? 100%. Unless unless you could not go forward and live your life authentically without doing that. It's the way I look at it. Uh, Absolutely. And be happy with your life. We're here one time. You know, we get one go around, live your life. I mean, this this little girl's not hurting anyone. Yeah. Her parents are not hurting anyone. All they're doing is loving their child. That's right. And and then you look they're at a case. Trying to give the child their best, right. best, best life. Well, absolutely. And and she even said, she's like, hey, if it is a phase, I mean, they're not having surgery at six years old. Sure. I mean, some people never have the surgery. They are comfortable with who they are. Mm-hmm. But then you look at her, Hayden, and you look at Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, that is year. I mean, he knew, told his first wife. I mean, he knew, but he lived his life for everyone else. Now, he's had a good life, but, you know, there's no black and white answer. But sure. the, the people that have come up to me or had sent me, and there's been gay people send me messages on my episode already saying, God doesn't make mistakes. We don't believe in the T part of our community. Really? And I'm like, you're gay, so you didn't make this choice. You think they're making this choice to just... Ruffle everybody's feathers in mm-hmm. Podunk, Illinois, or Podunk, Kentucky, or right. Podunk, wherever you are. And you know, you know, there's some places that are you know more um, inclined to trans people. I mean, it's you know, I mean, you you you're in more progressive areas. Maybe once you have that experience with a trans person, you get it. I'll never forget when I went to Western Illinois University. I met my first black friend. Mm-hmm. I found the love of diversity there. I, it was just I didn't have diversity. In, in, growing up in a town of 6,000 white people in a farming community and no diversity. So once your eyes are opened, and when I came out, my hometown of Pena, Illinois, has been so accepting of me. It's it's kind of that window and that gateway of, oh, he's not wearing pink leather pants. Oh, he doesn't have AIDS. Oh, he doesn't well, ride on the float. But what, if you, you know? what if you were very flamboyant? What if, would they feel, I mean, we know, you look like a businessman, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're not pushing people's buttons either, but that's not who you are either. I mean, you're, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you may want to go to a drag show. I'd love to go with you sometime. Yes, let's go. But, you know what I'm saying? You're, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's like, um, I think people fear what they don't know. There you go. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and there's some people that just want to kind of push it aside and I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Or there are people that want to say, okay, I'm going to feel the fear, but I want to learn from it. Mm-hmm. 
and I want to broaden my horizons. And even though it might feel a little uncomfortable, have those uncomfortable conversations, let's go there. Absolutely. I want to try to be a better person and a more embracing person. Yeah. And as far as you know, we were talking earlier about words, and to work, to, and we, we had a conversation with Ava, who, who's uh, black uh, here in the office, but she's Bahamian. So her background is totally different than African-American backgrounds. And she was mm-hmm. sort of sharing that with her. And she, we asked her, you and I were asking her about the N-word. And she was like, basically, would rather not use that word. It, it's almost like swearing, using the F-word right, or something. Right. Let's, let's find another vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And then you have Lenny Bruce... Who said every swear word? And his whole point was, we give meaning to words. They don't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. We assign meaning to it. Right. And he was trying to diffuse all of that by swearing, and that was part of his shtick gotcha. back yeah. in the day. You know. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, so you are also on two boards, board of directors. Yeah. And yeah. T- tell a little bit about your charity work. So you're. One is through the Greater Nashville Apartment Association. Okay. So I have a three-year, <clears throat> excuse me, a three-year term with them. So I'm a managing director of that. So we kind of look over, I mean, the whole Metro Nashville area. So all the new development going on. I mean, we have so many different um, wings to that organization. So many different committees that you know we have a charity committee, a part of that that raise money, you know, for kids around Christmas and meals and stuff like that. Um, we have the stats committee that tracks all the new buildings going up and what's being sold. Um, and I, I would say that there's a golf charity committee. So there's, it's a, it's a lot of fun to be a part of that. Are there the concerns Nash- about affordable housing, making it more diverse and affordable? We don't have inclusionary zoning. Uh, okay. Yeah. There's so. Elmington, um, Elmington group. They are doing, they're doing a few, uh-huh. um, um, Housing below projects, market. Yeah, market. yeah. Um, ones at 12th and Wedgwood. That new one went up over by that Smoothie King. It's a beautiful property. There's not a lot. No. I, I'm really surprised every month I look at the stats committee. And there may be like, oh, the 19,000 units being built right now. There might be, I mean, there's less than 1,000. Well, because, co- I mean, I'm, and I'll do respect to a development community. They want to make as much money as they can. Yeah, and it's like us flipping a house. Yeah. They're flipping. They have all these yeah. big investors to come in. A lot of times they're building these mid-rises out of, you know, stick. You know, it's all a wood frame structure. They're building it to flip it and sell it. So they'll build it for $30 million and two years later, they'll sell it for 60 to $70 million. Yeah. So they're doubling their money in two years. They want to get it done. Um, so, yeah, I'm, one of, I'm there with you. I want to save Music Row. I want to save the history. But how do you stop a city that's growing... You know, I mean, Mount Juliet, Columbia, you, you, Spring Hill. You, you keep the bar high is how you mm-hmm. do it. You keep the bar high. Um, you protect, you can you can have your cake and eat it too a little bit. And to me, I, I'm, I mean, because I've been involved in city government myself. If you're going to, if you're going to uh, allow someone bonus density, make them mm-hmm. as part of, say, say you can buy right, build 500 units, right. but you want 600, 10%. Make mm-hmm. them make right. make it be below market. Other communities right. do this, and this is how they. Mm-hmm. They also other communities have um, controlled rent, rent control. And New York the, yeah. has, and they also does have this, incentive for um, you know the arts community. I mean, this absolutely. community, it's called Music City for a reason, and yet we're squeezing out the creative community. Yes. It, so I think know, it's a, we have a moral obligation. And the people that have built this town, the bartenders, the singers, That's people right. come here for them, 
they can't afford to park downtown for a shift yeah, anymore. No. When it used to be five to seven dollars a night, great, there's a tip. Now it's like thirty to forty to fifty dollars a night to park. Yeah. That really eats into their income Absolutely. rent payments. And, and Ubers are expensive. Oh my god, you Lifts can't Uber. Are expensive. One yeah. night I Ubered from Marathon Music Works to my place in Belmead, seventy-eight dollars, and it is less than three miles. That's insane. And yeah, so it, it's hard. Does so the city are, step people in? Are, Does people it... are getting greedy, and and I think there needs to be some control. I hate to say it, it's not just rape and pillage and take. I got yeah. mine, and then I'm now I'm going to move to Pass the keys or yeah. something. You know, it's it's hard because I'm on site. I'm a property manager. I'm not. I don't own it. I'm not an investor in it. But it, it's hard because you want to wear the investor hat, but then you also care about your resident. Sure. Yeah. Who, um, you know, rents in Nashville this year, 2021, have gone up 10%. And we're still, as you and said... property taxes in, have gone up 34%. 34%. And, and I don't pass that on. I have, Right, I have, you have, soak it up. I soak it oh, up. Oh, wow. You know? It's, I, it's tough with us because, you know, we have to pass that on to the renters. And, I mean, downtown Nashville, people don't understand. There are one bedrooms going for twenty eight dollars to $3,200 a month. This is not New York City. No. But the, the, the people that are changing it are coming from L.A. and San Francisco and Seattle. So it's all relative. It's, it's cheap to them, yeah. but it's pushing well, all at, of us out. Look at the prices for a hotel. Oh, my God. $600 and $700 a night Insane. on a Tuesday? Yeah. And yeah. you're not even, you don't even have a coffee maker, you know? Yeah. No. I, and then you got to pay 40 50 bucks a night to park oh. your car at the hotel. And then there's a hotel tax. Yeah. Like just... They're nickel and diming. Our our industry's nickel and diming too. They want to make money on pest control and everything. Yeah. So it's you know people get upset with renting. I'm like, well, then buy a house. You know, I mean, I have that that concern for people, and I do empathize with them. You know, and but I've owned here. I've also rented here. Yeah. That's my choice yeah. to live as a renter and have no, you know, the AC breaks, somebody comes in, you know? So, uh, but then I've also been a landlord at my condo and if anything broke, I took care of it for of course, So yeah. I do have that compassion for people, but it, it's hard because when you're working for the man, but you're serving the right. well, you're, residents. You're wearing, you're wearing you're, both hats. Yeah, it's hard when you're on site. It's you a, tough, a lot of psychology it, too. It is. It is a lot. And, and I had a lot of anxiety because I would go in on a, on a Monday and be like, oh my God, what did I miss this weekend? Or who broke glass at the pool? Or what neighbors, you know, complaining about another neighbor and stuff like that. But I switched my, my way of thinking of what's going to happen today to what am I going to learn today? Mm -hmm. And how is this going to help me with working with the Greater National Apartment Association? I'm on the board of directors and there's a lot of amazing people. I don't even feel worthy to be on that board because there's lawyers, mm -hmm. there's property developers on that board and then there's like me you know and it's it's an amazing and i say that to emphasize the importance of that organization the other one is a little more low-key it's called country for a cause so we do a charity event i still call it fanfare but before cma fest uh, that starts always on a thursday we do a thing at third and lindsley on that wednesday and it's a throwback so we have the bellamy brothers um T.G. Shepard, I mean, pe people that are still going, like the John Connollys and all these people. Come, Crystal Gale was, was in one of Classic our last country. ones. Yeah. yeah, so people want that throwback, and there's none of that at where, CMA Fest. Where does the money go? Or does it go to different charities? Ch um, the, it started off, Scott Sexton started that organization, and it started off, he would pick a local family. So it all stayed here in Middle Tennessee. And then it got a little hairy, because it was like, there there's seven or eight of us on that board. Mm -hmm. And very prominent people there as well. And then it was like, okay, who does he pick for the money? It didn't go to, like, we didn't nominate people, but we as a board, 
you know, may have had a had an in with someone. We right, wanted to right, see right, it, right. you know. So we started donating to Children's Miracle Network at oh, the Monroe okay. Carroll Junior Hospital sure. here at Vanderbilt. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So the first year was seven thousand. The second year was twelve thousand. The third year was so is it always sixteen thousand for Monroe Carroll? Yes. Or do you change the charity? The past three years, it's been there, gotcha. and then the past two years, yeah, we've been involved. That we've we had clients that have performed. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The National Palace used to have it out yeah, there. Absolutely. It's been at Third and Lindsley for two years. Uh-huh. And then the last two years with COVID, we didn't. 20 So you 21. only have one event a year? One event a year. Gotcha. It is, it is, it is fun. It, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, I, well, I remember Fanfare when it used to be at the fairgrounds. And it was yeah. very um, much more homespun kind of vibe. Even. Yeah. So it's fun. A lot different now. So um, I always ask my guests to impart... Uh, any words of wisdom that really you had received over the years that you'd like to share mm-hmm. um, that maybe changed your life um, and anything like what is your legacy what do you what do you want people to think of when they think of West Schmidt what do you stand for what's your brand okay my dad always told me it's really fitting um, in today's day and age but he's he said always worry about yourself now we were the first ones in our neighborhood if if someone's mower broke we would go mow their yard or if somebody needed, you know, a windstorm and they needed a few new shingles, we'd be the first ones there. My dad's a construction guy. He'd be helping everyone. But he's like, you can't help other people if you're not fully there. Yeah. So he's like, worry about yourself. And in today's day and age, especially with Morgan Wallen, and that was very mm-hmm. offensive, um, people saying stuff about, you know, the LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. I, I try to just worry about myself. And... You know, I. But you have to be. You're you're an example. You're not using right. the N word. You're not. Correct. You know what I mean? It's like be the light. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that, that... and and have some compassion. I would still have. I would probably still have a drink with Morgan Wallen and talk about things. Yeah. I would have a drink with uh, Mr. Trump and talk about things. I would have a drink with Mr. Bush and talk about things. Like sure, sure. I want to be that compassionate person to know that people make mistakes. Now, a mistake over and over and over is just the way you live your life. That's a choice, you know. Sure. But um, but really, I mean, it was hard. I've never focused on myself. I wasn't out. So I was worrying about everybody else. I've never, until I really started therapy, is like, okay, I'm going to focus on me. Because if I'm not whole, I can't help you to my fault. I can be on any charity I can and get, but I was so depleted at night. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have, even with this podcast, with my podcast, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I have the fuel to keep going. Yeah. So really when I turned it in inside and then... You just kind of keep it simple. You're the only person you can control. Right. You You can control control. what you eat, what you drink, what you say. On the way over here, traffic, people were honking. I mean, they're redoing Charlotte Pike. And I was coming from Charlotte Pike. And I'm like, you know, I'll get there. It's fine. I don't need to speed around someone. It's just like worrying about yourself. And and, Okay, that's not to say don't volunteer. Don't reach out to friends and family. But you have to be a whole person. You have to be ready to help. Yeah, absolutely. So stuff with this and Dave Chappelle, I want to read about it. I... Uh, you know, we all have an opinion now with these phones on our hands and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but before to get your opinion out there, you had to be an author, you had to be published, right. you actually had to have credentials. Right. And now, just people in my hometown that don't have doctorate degrees and never went to college, they are all of a sudden pros <laughs> about our health. For some odd reason, I think that's kind of funny. So yeah, really, going I mean, head to head with epidemiologists. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Fauci, heck with Fauci. And, yeah, who does you know, he think he yeah. is? <laughs> How dare you? Um, and and nothing against my friends that didn't go to college. I go back. We have reunions. We have a great time. 
but you stay in your lane, mm. you know, and be compassionate. Um, have a conversation about trans people. I have conversations. I don't, I don't get hunting, but my friends tell me about their hunting stories. I'm like, good for you. I'm not going to go off on them because they're killing something. Yeah. I, and that's their life, you know? So unless it's like endangered, like elephants, like then I'll, then I'll probably get mad. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I kind of stay in your lane. My parents taught me the value of a dollar that you know, when I was 15, they're like, we're, you're buying a car. You're going to start working at 16. You're going to start paying it off. And I'll never forget when I got my first check, I looked at it and I said, I didn't want to go to the mall. I didn't want to go to wall. I didn't want to go anywhere. I looked at that check and I said, oh my God, my parents work hard after I got my first check. And obviously I knew they more, made more than minimum wage in a restaurant than sure, I did. Sure. But, um, but everything we had, all Valuable the trips we'd taken, lesson. I mean, Very that, nice. that set me on the path right there. You know, um, I was worse with money after college because I was running with the big people down in Austin. I was worse than money after college than I was before. So they taught me a, a really valuable lesson. So I want to leave a legacy of compassion, um, people caring about other people, but really self-care, self-help. I just, I didn't believe in it. I grew up against that. I grew up, you know, you but can't cry, all, you can't break. If all we, if we all took care of each other and took mm -hmm. care of ourselves, it would be a better planet. You can help other people. It would be a people. healthier planet. Absolutely. Spiritually, mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Physically healthy. And when I look up to people, you know, you know, like Laura Bush, I read her book years ago and I just, there's just a grace, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to tout off on social media about stuff. I'm sure I have in the past. I'm sure something could be dug up, but I've really been intentful or full of intent. I don't know. <laughs> um, especially this past year because I would post funny memes and stuff. And now I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, could that offend someone? And I don't want to be too touchy-feely, but I want to be a decent human. Mm -hmm. And if you're out there throwing a bunch of crap Don't around, yeah. yeah, and they're like, well, it's all about me. Well, it's really not, you know. You need to look inward and have some compassion. So that's kind of what I want to leave. Mm. Leave oh, behind, well. I hope. I love a legacy it. for my nephews. I have three amazing nephews. And, How old? Uh, two or five. Getting ready to turn six, and the other one is one. I love it. Yeah. All three and adopted. You get, to, and you get to see them pretty often? Yes. They're five hours from here is all. So I'm going up for Halloween. Are you for Halloween? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. So Do you get dressed up? I hate Halloween. You hate oh it? Oh my God, I hate get it. Get out. Why? Yeah. But I'm going up for them. I just never, I was never a Halloween person. Oh, I love Halloween. I, I no, wish I, I did. I don't like spooky movies or haunted houses. I, that scares oh, me. Oh yeah. The but, party seems so much fun. Yeah, I remember fun dressing dress up. up. No? Once as an adult, I lived in Austin. Me and my roommate had a big Halloween party. And that's the last time I ever... I mean, that would have been 2011. Oh, I decorate. Yeah. I always put stuff out. I, have I love the candy and all that stuff. And I love when, you know, the kids go trick-or-treating. I did that as a kid. But I could probably count on a, count on one hand how many times I trick-or-treated. Get out I of was here. Just, I was an old, I, not an old soul. I just wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't into that. No kidding. Yeah, it was weird. Huh. I don't know. But weird. are you into holidays? Like, do you like Thanksgiving? Oh, do you like Christmas? Christmas? Do you decorate all and all that? Yeah, yeah. I love all what that What about stuff. cooking? Are you? Do you like to cook? I know. Bad cook. Really? Bad cook. Horrible. That's why I asked you for crock pot recipes. Because I just throw stuff in a crock pot and turn it on. I am a horrible cook. I'll so, write you. I'll write you out some. Because I, I have recipe books, but I sort of make up stuff. You know, oh. like when I was talking to you the other day, I was making soup. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, you know, I do dried beans and, you know, vegetables yeah. and I'll throw some meat in it, whatever. And I just, and it's, you come home and it's like mom's been oh cooking. It smells like, and you can have a bowl of soup and it's a little healthier. Like, you know, we, I mean, yeah. I, I just, 
try not to. I like to go out to eat if it's really good food. If it's right. good, if it's a nice restaurant, nice ambiance. Mm-hmm. And I'm really bad because if I don't like the music in a place, I don't want to go back. Really? Yeah, I can't, it's a whole experience. Oh, my God. It's like I can't turn it off because I'll be like, oh, my God. Or I'll eat to the beat and it's too noisy and it's like they don't want people to savor the food. Yeah. You know, then there's places that I'll love the ambiance. Like I like to go to sort of treat once in a while, go to Chateau West. Really good service, easy to park. I mean, where can you get Crepe Suzette? Where can you get Bananas Foster? And yeah. fondue and you know and it's old world and Andre the head waiter there he's a hoot I think he's from Romania oh wow it's, it's like a total throwback and so in the food is nice you know I mean I do I eat there all the time it's too rich no I don't yeah. but but I, I do like it I drive by that all the time oh, you I've should never go. been never been yeah they're open for uh, lunch and they have, have brunch on weekends they have brunch they? yeah they're brunch on the weekends yeah. but they have you know you can get a nice glass of wine and yeah. it's just you. it's a throwback for real okay kind of like a Sperry's Sperry's is yeah Sperry's, Sperry's is a throwback but this is French so yeah. it's you know I mean they have like mm. I don't know Sperry's yeah. I was at Sperry's the other day and uh, with, with some people um, I like Sperry's, and they have yeah, a salad, but they have like where where can you get green goddess dressing with oh, Sperry's? I love mean, Sperry's. Yeah. yeah. What do you order when you? Are you a meat guy? Um, I'm a meat guy. Well, it's funny because my parents, my mom's an amazing cook and baker, and my dad smokes. Got everything from cow tongue to chicken Ooh. hearts to chicken to brisket. He has the pellet smoker, and oh, that yeah, yeah. thing is so good. So I'm more paleo, so I eat meat and veggies. Veggies, yeah. And I will, yeah, I just wish, I made a pork loin last night, and it turned out pretty good. Well, there you but, go. Yeah, so there we go. But, but pork loin you I can can't... put in a crock pot. And yeah. That's yep. perfect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can, I, I mean, I, I do, um, I put like, I'm, I'm cook with alcohol, so I cook with oh, wines yeah. and brandies and things like that, and marinades and make like a sauce and stuff I'm like bad that. with so- sauces. I, I can't. I buy the pre-pack of like the chicken tiki masala, the masala, yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, I just yeah, can't, yeah. can't make. I all like that, Indian but, food. Oh, you either love it or you don't. Or you don't. I love. And it. I'm not a spicy person, but I love Indian food. I just well, so basically you have a lot of ginger and cumin. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of interesting anise, a lot of interesting spices so that you work with. But um, anyway, and that's okay. the thing about Nashville. There's so many Did great not places used to go. To be like that though. Where we had lunch today, I'd never heard of it. It's young. And now it? it was so great. Yeah. Yeah, it was so good. Really good. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Oh my God, no. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for being on our show. Oh my gosh, it was so a, much fun. That was a fun. What, we got what's your 2022 New Year's resolution? Do you know yet? Um, Commitment. Oh. Commitment. Does that mean Com- that well, you're going to get involved with some seriously? I, I, I have a, I don't have a problem with commitment. I'm committed to work. I'm committed to friendships, committed to family. But talking about self-help, I was never committed to my health. I was never yes. committed to, um, you know, working out and different stuff like that. So instead of, again, I want to, you know, lose so much weight. I'm going to commit to a half marathon. Or I'm going to commit to being able to lift this. Or commit to, yeah, finding love. I do 10,000 steps a day. That's what I oh, nice. commit to. And Tai Chi. And I try not to. Oh, I mean, nice. I just was bad a couple minutes ago. I couldn't tempt you. Oh, with the donut? <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that I wasn't tempted. I never eat donuts. Yeah. But Judy brought in Krispy Kreme. It's hard. In our business, too, we're always treated and lunches and people. Vendors I'm not. Bring in, you are. I'm not are treated. bringing in lunches. Really? Oh, they bring You're in lucky. crumble cookies and I'm like, I never Y'all heard of stop. crumble cookies. I'm going to bring you a crumble cookies. What? Is it crumbling? That's why it's they call like, it crumble cookies? It's like, they're huge. You have to, they're amazing. Really? They have different flavors huh. each week, yeah. 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to know you. It's been seven years. Has it really? Then we've known each other through Aww. Mark. Yeah. So thank you for always inviting me places. It's always oh, so it's much fun. Oh, it's my pleasure. That's and why I love Music and City. I love your laugh, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> you have the best laugh. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun. And more fun times to come. Thanks for being on Applaudable Perspectives. And thank I you. I love your show, by your the way. Insight. Really? Robert Orman. i got to listen to that one. The Pam Rose and the Bonnie... No. Um, Debbie Cochran. Debbie. Oh, that was a good episode. Listen to that one last night. She's a sweetheart. Yeah, she was. She, she's country. She is yeah. country and talented. <laughs> and, and she's a bucket list client. So oh, I, wow. She's someone who had a lot of success in other areas and um, now like just wanted to do music and started writing music. Wow. And she's doing it, you know. Yeah, it was a good episode. Oh, thank so you. So Robert Orman, that's a two-parter too. Yes, and Mary so, Bufflack, his wife. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to listen to that well, one. Well, good. I so. want to turn me on to some more people to talk to. I'm always looking for interesting people. Perfect. We will. Okay, and likewise. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Yeah, thank you.